Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. GM, everyone. We are back with another episode of Crypto Sapiens. Today, we are talking to Aldo de Pop and Genomes DAO intern, co-founder and contributor of Genomes DAO, respectively. To learn about the DNA data bank that puts you back in control of your genome, they seek to address privacy, security, and ownership concerns of DNA testing and sharing by building the world's largest user-owned genetic data bank and secure the future of personalized medicine. We discuss the privacy risks of using direct-to-consumer genetics companies like Ancestry.com and 23andMe and why we should be mindful of securing our genomic data. So let's get started. So without further ado, uh, let's get started on some introductions. Um, Today we are talking to Genomes Dow, and we are we have here today with us Aldo, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of the project, and Genomes Genomes Dow, who is the intern of the project. Um, let's start with an introduction to you, Aldo, and you know as as brief and as um, much as you want to share, uh, without doxing yourself, right? I mean, like your home address and all that fun stuff. And then we'll follow that with uh, Genomes DAO, and we'll we'll go from there in terms of like how that in, how that eventually got us to uh, founding and working on Genomes DAO. <laughs> so my name's Al- my name's Aldo de Pop. Uh, as uh, as I said before, co-founder and CEO of Genomes.io. Um, I got into Genomes uh, while working with Mark uh, Hanno, who sadly couldn't be with us. To- uh, today, uh, Mark is a, a geneticist who has an, uh, a PhD in stem cell biology from Imperial College, and he started back in 2011 a company called Figshare. Um, there was a, uh, a a big investor interested in Figshare, uh, and and basically uh, it was a venture capital fund. I worked for that venture capital fund and was paired up with Mark to grow his company. Um, uh, I love doing that, and I did it with. Lots of passion and excitement for three years, but done got a little something called Founders Envy, and I really wanted to start my own venture. So I did that in 2014 and started an edtech company called Teach Pitch. And what uh, uh, that company is trying to do is trying to close the digital skills gap, specifically in education. It's very focused on peer-to-peer learning, specifically for teachers. So completely different ballgame. Mark and I, however, stayed in touch. We became good friends and met very often. And um, we were talking a lot about the idea for genomes, not not of course in its in, in in the version that it is today, but already talking about the value of DNA data back in 2014. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea of of how this uh, this journey started and uh, and who I am. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, that definitely gives us a good picture and concise enough, I think. Uh, genomes now intern. Yeah. Um, so hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for having us today. Um, 
I guess, um, so my, my, um, position is basically the position inspired by, um, what you've seen on like crypto Twitter, like sushi intern. And then there's like CMS intern, Delphi intern, there's like Olympus intern. Um, there might be Binance intern now. So it's kind of that meme, right? So that's kind of what my, um, my position is. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess a little bit of background on me without doxing myself, cause it's fun to be in on, um, uh, Recently kind of graduated, uh, my background's in biomedical engineering. Um, I've worked in a few different labs, but I've spent some time in pharmacogenomics. Um, and that's kind of why I got interested in this project when I found out about it. Um, and then, uh, I, yeah, as soon as I found out about it, I dug deeper and then I hopped on board cause I, I thought it had, um, a lot of potential to kind of change the status quo. Great. Yeah. It's, uh, funny you mentioned that intern meme. Um, and I think. I want to recognize something that uh, one of our community members uh, said as we were preparing for the show is, you know, I think now with the way DAOs work and allow people to contribute, you know, we all are kind of interns to some degree uh, when we get started, right? We're learning, uh, we start contributing, and then as we add value or bring value to these projects, there are incentives that are that that we're able to uh, gain from our contributions so there's value uh you know to everyone uh, absolutely absolutely and one thing i'd like to add is that um you know i was thinking of maybe changing my name from intern because i've been doing this for maybe a month and a half now but i think i'm going to keep it for some symbolism right it, it's symbolic because in a DAO, you don't necessarily need a title to be a leader and, and i think that's an important takeaway so I, I think I'll uh, keep the intern title as long as I can because I think it's funny. Um, but no, the point still stands. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I, I think so. In fact, I think currently, as as DAOs exist, uh, there's still a lot of experimentation and a lot of learning that happens on a day to day basis. So I think that's all part of the experimentation as we move forward in Web three. So in terms of Genomes DAO, can you give us a brief introduction to what it is, uh, what inspired it, and how it works? So, uh, yeah, going back to 2014, where, where Mark and I basically started a conversation about uh, DNA data and, and the value of DNA data. So um, we were, you know, through, through the work that we did with Fixture, we were dealing a lot with data, specifically research data uh, generated by uh, lots of research institutions um, and academic organizations. Um, uh, so loads of researchers who were working with, with loads of data, so to say. And uh, um, among others, uh, we also came across DNA data. So, so people who were very keen on doing their research and who really were, were, were going to the, um, you know, other end of research, they were talking about the value of DNA data. And at some point there was also a professor who uploaded the, the, uh, uh, genomic sequence of one of his children, uh, to, to one of the tools we were working with. And that basically catalyzed in our thinking something that we were like, okay, you know, we're all in favor of sharing data and we're all looking at, you know, the, the value that data can have um, for the progression of, of science and, and, and for technology. But surely sharing someone else's genomic data might be one bridge too far. And 
um, you know, one of the reasons of you know for that thinking, which 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 you know now in in two, 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 2021 um, proved to be correct, was that uh, there's an enormous value to your uh, uh, genome. Uh, so we all have a genome. We all have our uh, DNA data. It's a unique sequence that we all have, a genomic sequence. Um, uh, and th basically, that is the blueprint to who you are. And the beauty of it is that for each and every one of us, for every human being on this planet, we have a different sequence. So there's no such thing as two of the of, of the same sequences. And and you, uh, uh, that is something very profound and something we need to be very aware of because, because of its uniqueness, it also has tremendous value. Now, there are, um, uh, so in, in, you know, just a little bit of you know, genomic history. In 2001, the first attempt was undertaken to sequence a genome in a, in a, in a very big laboratory. The cost for doing that was, uh, I believe, over $5 billion just to sequence one genome. The cost of that today is a little over $500. And already the leaders in the market have announced that the cost will come down in the next few years from $500 to $100. And maybe after that point, it will be completely for free. So this is a clear indication that the sequencers, uh, the laboratories who do the sequencing, that's not really where the you know, in a sustainable sense of the word, the money will be made. Uh, but the value is in the data. And um, don't take our word for it. You can also look at uh, something that we would like to call direct-to-consumer genetic companies. And you might have heard of them. Uh, their companies called like 23andMe, um, I, I think is the, is the most infamous example. But you also have Ancestry.com. So what these companies do is they also sequence your genomic data. And then in return for you paying them to do that, around $150 approximately, you know, on a Christmas sale, um, you will get in return a, a nice little gadgety ancestry report. So it's something that tells you where, you know, your ancestors are from that, you know, they, they, you know, they might be from, you know, from, from wherever. So in my case, from, from Ireland. So, you know, my father did, had his 23andMe done and, and, and he said, Oh, did you know that, you know, Five generations ago, we were in, in Ireland, so so it's something like that. But it's a gadget, right? It's it it, it it's something nice, nice to know is you know something that you're interested in. The real business model for these companies is not you know giving you your 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 report and your hundred and fifty dollars. The real business model for these companies is that they cross sell your data to pharmaceutical companies, and. Um, so we have blogged about this. So uh, um, um, and, and I'm happy we can we can dig it up and share it here as well. Whereby from 2012 to today, we've mapped out all the kind of big deals that were done by these companies by cross-selling your data to pharmaceutical companies and research organizations. Now, what we think is wrong in this formula is first and foremost, this wasn't really done with the full consent of the person who paid for the original gadgety report. And by full consent, I mean, yes, you might've agreed to the terms and conditions, the thousand paragraphs in terms and conditions that stipulates, okay, we, you know, once this is done, you've waved the right over your uh, genome and um, we can do whatever we want to do with it. Um, 
but we basically mean that there's no real transparency as to what will happen with the data. So first of all, you know, we, we would like to say you, you might have not proactively consented to that. Second of all, once the data is gone, you have absolutely no insight on what happens to the data. So, you know, it's all a big question. Do they cross-sell it? You know, what do they do with the database that holds your, you know, your most valuable data, the most valuable data you will ever have? And then third of all, they make money of selling your data. So to give you an example, uh, and, and a, a lot of money, right? So, so to give you an example, in 2018, 23andMe closed the deal with GlaxoSmithKline, selling 5 million of your exomes, which is, you know, a, a genomic sequences, I'll get to the difference later, for $300 million. So the value that th th these companies accumulate and the value that they gain by cross-selling your data, you know, it is not, it, you know, it's not based on kind of the most sincerest form of consent. It's not, you know, it's not authentic. And, you know, that's something we, you know, that that's the frustration that we're built upon. And, and you know, we, we, we put our money where our mouth is and, and, and built basically a decentralized version of 23andMe. You can still do all the things like the Gadgety Ancestry report or any type of other report that we could talk about later. So you can still get to know a lot about you and your health and whatever ties in with your genomic data. But also your data is safe in a vault that, uh, uh, that only you can access. So and you are the only person who has full control over your genomic sequence and nothing happens with that data unless you proactively approve it. So you brought up a lot of, uh, I think, interesting points here that we should unpack. Uh, but, you know, really, to, I do want to touch on something here that you just mentioned now, which is uh, the differences between, you know, Genomes DAO and some of these other uh, maybe more recognizable names in the genetic, genetic sequencing, um, like, 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Uh, so what is the difference in terms of how this data is collected, how this data is, um, you know, I guess, uh, held in vaults uh, and secured? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Um, I guess the first thing um, that's important to understand the difference, differences between Genomes DAO and like a 23andMe and Ancestry is something that Aldo mentioned was um, for $150, right? They give you that, you know, cute little Ancestry report. They're sequencing something called your exome, right? And your exome is about 1% to 2% of your genome. It's not the whole genome. Um, what we're doing at Genomes DAO is doing something called whole genome sequencing. So it's your entire genome, right? Um, so that's the first kind of um, difference um, between kind of us and them. The second thing is that... Wait, so so oh, to clarify, does that mean that that is more complete then, the sequencing with Genomes DAO than anyone else? Yes, yes. So, so we're, we're doing, um, with, with our partners, right? The partner we're currently working with is Nebula because uh, they have a very... They have a very strong privacy focus, right? And that's kind of the point of this DAO. Um, but Nebula, through our partnership with Nebula, we're doing whole genome sequencing. So meaning you get your entire genome sequenced. So if you would have done a 23andMe or Ancestry, you'd have only gotten your exome sequenced if you have gotten those, um, those you know, direct-to-consumer uh, genomic tests before. Um, so that, that's kind of the first difference. 
Um, the second difference is that, as Aldo mentioned, right, as soon as you, you know, you go online, you say, oh, I want to get a 23andMe test or an ancestry test, right? And then they'll send you the kits and then they'll either do a cheek swab or you'll put your saliva in a test tube. They'll send that back to their labs. And then at their labs, they'll sequence that, sequence your exome, right, from that um, genetic sample. And then they'll give you some report. Now, the thing is, is that after they do that, what happens to the data then, right? Well, and, and what they're doing, what, what Aldo very clearly mentioned was they're taking your genetic information and then they're selling it to other people. And then sometimes, in some cases, in the case of Ancestry, they're selling it for a hell of a lot of money. So Blackstone, right, the, the suits on Wall Street, I don't think they give a damn Like if your grandfather's Polish, right? They don't care about that. They care about what that... Yeah, that's the gamification of their real product, right? Exactly, 100%. Like, you're, if you've gotten one of these tests before, you quite literally rugged yourself. You paid someone to, like, you know, give, give your personal information to someone else for even more money. One of the most personal uh, informations, because I know we talk about, like, password management, even, like, you know, key management for crypto... Um, we, we even talk about biometric data, right? But like genomic data, that that's that's like the root of it all. Like the, you you can change your passwords, sure you can start using a new wallet, but as you start getting into biometric and genetic data, like these are things that you cannot replace. So super important to be mindful of the uh, value, both you know the value to yourself, right? Not just the value of what that means for some other you know, market or company, but what that means in terms of like, what that means to you just generally and protecting that information, but also, um, you know, what, uh, how, how you can protect that. Right. And the fact that you can't change that. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no worries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing too, right. Um, I guess I'll touch on two things. The first thing is, is that for genomes now, what we're basically doing is allowing self custody of your genome. So as soon as you go through us, right, and you get your whole genome sequenced, that gets put in one of these AMD SEV vaults, which I like, these are like the bleeding edge of like encryption. They're, they're about as close to like a ledger and MetaMask wallet as you can get with the, the current technology. And then we, GenomeStout doesn't have access to your vault. Like if for some reason, like Blackstone or some private equity company and said, oh, we need to buy all the governance tokens for GenomeStout. And let's get all the information from, you know, the DAO. We actually don't have access to your genome, right? Only you do. And if you want someone to query it, you have to approve that. And that's, you know, that's what's stored on the blockchain, the auditable record of the opening and closing of these vaults. But we'll get into that later. And the other thing I just wanted to add is that, you know, right now people, they, they kind of give this information away, like freely. They're like, oh, like, and I'm kind of guilty of this too, because when I worked in pharmacogenomics, I was like, oh, mom, like, here, I got you an ancestry test. This was like long before, right? Long before genomes down, I even thought of this. And I like, in hindsight, I was like, wow, like, that was such a stupid decision. Like, now ancestry has my mom's, you know, exome. And we're just very, very like, ooh, that's like cute and colorful. It's gamified, as you mentioned, right? It's gamified. Let me find something, you know, let me find where my ancestors are from. But, but you'll probably already know that. Um, and, and 
And, and the w- one other thing I wanted to add, and like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but as we move into like, you know, as we transition into Web3, I think people need to understand that your genome, as you mentioned, is super, super important. And one example I give is if like Mark Zuckerberg's like, hey, we want, you know, let's combine uh, your behavioral data, right? So um, if anyone watched a couple couple weeks ago on 60 Minutes, the author of the book Sapiens came on and he mentioned that these Web2 companies, Instagram, Facebook, they know more about you than you know about yourself. Like just how you're interacting on their platform, they can like tell what your sexual orientation is even before maybe you can, which is scary. And if they can do that, imagine what else they know about you. And what gets even scarier is if you combine that genomic information with your behavioral data, and then they can easily say, oh, let's, uh, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg could easily say, hey guys, like Q1, let's, you know, let's do really, really well for Q1. Let's increase revenue. Find every single person, you know, in our genomic data set that is predisposed to like anxiety and then curate them content that will make them super, super anxious. And then as soon as we've determined they become anxious based on how they're interacting on the platform, let's sell them an anti-anxiety drug. Like they're like, this is what like these dystopian, you know, movies are made of. And and as we're moving to web three, the whole point of web three is, you know, you own your data, right? You own your data. So I'll, I'll stop there. Um, but yeah, I actually wanted to touch on something you brought up. So, uh, one of the things you mentioned was, you know, when you were in, uh, pharmacogenetics, I think it was called, sorry if I mispronounced that. I probably am. Um, you, uh, got a ancestry kit for your mom, right? Um, you know, I think that there's, we should recognize too that there are social pressures that maybe sometimes will have us do something that maybe that's not what we really wanted to do, but other people are doing it. So then we end up deciding to do it too. And of course, game mechanics don't help that matter, right? Because they really just um, maybe force us to do something without fully considering the repercussions. So as an example, um, I remember a lot of my friends were jumping onto like Facebook and Instagram. And while I was always very mindful of my digital footprint, um, I just fell into that rabbit hole because I was like, oh, my family is there. I want to be able to communicate with them. Or I have friends who are there who I haven't been able to talk to in a long time. But, you know, while the front end is nice and I did have access to friends and family uh, that I didn't before on a regular basis, um, the back end is a little bit, you know, a little darker than that, isn't it? Because there is that data harvesting and monetization and uh, profiling even that happens that then ends up, you know, doing more harm than good uh, for ourselves. So to your point, I think of, you know, these kits like Ancestry and 23andMe um, is that while, and I do remember there was a craze for a long time where that is that was the gift to give uh, for the holidays. And so there were, you know, folks who were just signing up. Fortunately, I didn't. Um, but I, I definitely felt like I should have because I felt like I was missing out on something. Like my friends and, and, and maybe some of my family members were doing it. And I was like, oh, like I really should try that because I want to get more information about myself. But, you know, knowing now and maybe using other, you know, companies as an example, other institutions as an example of what they do with that data, I'm kind of glad that I didn't because that, you know, was information that I would have freely been giving up 
Uh, and then, you know, allowing, I guess, for some of the scenarios to play out, like uh, Genome's intern just uh, explained. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, Humpty, and 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 you know, you sound like like a conscious user of you know of loads of platforms. You you were already kind of looking at your you know digital footprint maybe long before others were uh, were doing that. Um, I think I think there are two sides here, right? There there are two sides of the coin. Basically, there's on 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 and 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 some people they make the trade off. Some people say I'm actually happy for you know, this platform to use my data in exchange for, you know, the communication and, and the happiness that it gives me. And I, I don't mind if I get, you know, if if I, when I accept the cookies, I get customized ads and whatever more. Um, uh, kind of what, what, what we do see here that every step of the way, it needs to be a conscious process. So you can sign off on whether you want this or not. Right. And I think this is also very much what Facebook, currently known as Meta, <laughs> is of course doing. They're, they're trying to, 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 to showcase to you that they're being very transparent with the use of your data if and when they're using it. Um, the, the problem that we see is that it's still based on a trust relationship. It's still based on the assumption that you as a user trust, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and team, that they will do the right thing with your data. And that once you basically say, I don't want you to do that anymore, that they will um, obey and stop doing that. Um, now, this trust is all nice and lovely, but what indeed happens, like in the case of Ancestry.com, when this company gets taken over for $4.7 billion and the trust contract that you originally had with uh, you know, Ancestry.com or whichever tool is thrown out of the window because the new, you know, there's a new chief in town and that company says, we're going to do it all different and we're going to monetize on your data. And there are, and, and that is, that is the scary part, right? So it's, it's not necessarily, we don't mean to say that from the outset, these web 2.0 social platforms are in it to get your data and kind of want to make money and, and harass you where, where you don't want to be harassed or whatever. Um, that's one bridge too far, but we are indeed saying that the relationship is based on on a trust and your data is in kind of a central database which you have no control over and that central database if the company is successful will get sold or parts of it will get sold and will be used for other tools and the same goes for your genomic data right the other other uh, uh comment i wanted to make um in terms of um you know sequencing your genome and selling your genome is we're looking at kind of a market that very quickly evolved, is, is, is very, very valuable. But as I said in the beginning, the first genome was sequenced in 2001, right? That's 20 years ago. And now, so, so a lot has happened in 20 years. Science and technology has evolved very, very, very quickly on this level. So the reason why lots of people waived their genomic data is because they didn't, there was no alternative. They just didn't know any better. This was the only option for them. And it was, a, it was a fun option, right? These companies, 23andMe, they also are very successful in their marketing and advertising because they work with, um, you know, the, the like Good Morning America um, kind of shows whereby, you know, someone finds their, you know, someone who was adopted finds their real biological parents because of, because of a database or they find their long lost twin sister 
through the database. So there are lots of these emotional stories that come out because you basically see, hey, this was because of a DNA match. Um, uh, so, 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 you know, a lot of people went with it because there was nothing else. There was just no other option. And, and also how research is done. So it's not only in the commercial market, but also researchers, and we've spoken to researchers, they previously were also used to getting the whole sequence and then just playing around with that sequence until they were bored of it. Right. So, so they, in their, in the way they did their research in their laboratories, that also wasn't really kind of with, you know, having your, your privacy uh, and, and your security in mind, it's just because that was the, the way they were used to doing it, right? So this is all kind of, we would like to basically say that we're kind of the next step, and, and we would like to think ourselves as a Web 3.0 solution that has this decentralization and that has, uh, you know, in mind and really has as a focus for you as the individual, for you as the one who has that genome, for you to, to stay in control and that nothing happens with the data without you having a say in that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So maybe now's a good time to talk about, I guess, the method by which someone could get started using GenomesDAO, um, you know, to contribute data, to store and secure that, and to access that, and ways to actually leverage that data. So uh, the way we're kind of doing it right now is um, if you wanted to, so we're having our NFT sale. Um, and that's going to be around mid-January. And then for each NFT, um, it, it's going to be like one of the profile picture ones. But for each NFT, you'll get one of these whole G. You redeem that for a whole genome sequencing kit from our partner Nebula, right? And then what happens is um, this kit, it, it'll be sent to um, where you want it to be sent. Because we're also conscious, right? A lot of people in crypto, they they respect their uh, privacy, uh, including like, you know, their home address and things like that. So uh, we're very cognizant of if we need to get you a kit, we can do it in um, a very secure and anonymous way. So maybe sending it to your PO box or maybe sending it, we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll be having like a landing page that kind of describes if you really want to go down the uh, super private route. Um, to get you the kit, but basically we'll get you the kit and then that kit gets sent to Nebula. They'll sequence your whole genome and then after that sequence, they'll upload it to this AMD SAV vault. And this vault is something that only you have control over with the 12-word seed phrase, similar to your you know, MetaMask. And then from there, once it's in the vault, um, if third parties want to query it, right, say you fall into you know, a certain demographic or you have a very... Um, you know, say specifically of like a rare disease, right? And that, and researchers being able to query parts of your genome um, would would you know benefit science. It would it would also be worth a lot, you know, worth a lot for them to sequence it. They have the ability to do it, but in a safe and private way, where you have the ability to consent to every every query into your vault. So anytime wants and anytime anyone wants to, um, you know open the vault or see a tiny part of your genome and see what it says, um, they, they, you have the ability to control that. Um, and then for that, you would make passive income um, for that query. So like, it, it would be like, say Pfizer's like, okay, we need you know, individuals that are um, Caucasian males age 50 to 60 in the, in the US that have you know, um, diabetes or something. We'd like to look at this small part of your genome 
and we'll be willing to give you a hundred dollars. Um, do you accept? And then you can either accept it and then you would get paid in, uh, our gene token, or you can reject it and say, you know what? No, I don't want to do it. Um, and that's fine too. But, but the point is that you retain full custody of your genome, right? And I think this idea is very important because, um, you know, as, as Aldo mentioned, um, the cost of whole genome sequencing has gone down from like a billion dollars to now it's $500 and it's going down by magnitudes each year. And there's going to be a point where there's going to be zero cost whole genome sequencing where it'll, it'll be more, it'll actually cost more money for you to um, get treated without having your genome rather than having it, right? Because the insights from your genome will help your doctor. And then you have to think when um, everyone does have their genome in their pocket, what type of platform would you want to use? Would you want it to be in the form of a DAO or would you want it to be in the form of, you know, a VC controlled entity or private equity entity where you don't have control over that, right? So we're, we're hedging that as the world transitions to Web3, um, as people, you know, have NFTs in their wallets, they have a crypto wallet, they have Coinbase and, you know, Gemini and all these, uh, you know, things on their phone, MetaMask on their phone, you're also going to have your genome on your phone. And if you want to monetize it in a safe and private way, you can. But if you don't, and you just want to discuss your genome with, you know, your genetic counselor or your doctor, that's perfectly fine too. Um, and, and I'll give you like one last example and then I'll kind of stop there. So, I worked in pharmacogenomics and um, the question you always get asked is like, hey, like, why would I ever want to sequence my genome, right? Like, um, and the, the reason is that you can actually learn so much about how your body works from your genome. So like one example was when I worked at this um, pharmacogenomics company, and if I tell you, it's like an immediate docs because they're like one of the biggest ones. Um, they... Um, they were in the early stages at the time. And what we would do on like a Friday is like the junior members of the team, they'd head down to the lab and say, all right, guys, like sequence our genome. Let's see what it says. Right. And I remember when I got my genome sequenced um, for the gene, it's called CYP1A2. So this gene codes for the proteins that metabolize things like coffee, right? Stimulants right? So if you think of stimulants, there's like a scale, right? At the very like extreme end of the spectrum, there's like, like speed. And then to the left of that, there's cocaine. And then to the left of that, there's like Adderall. And then to the left of that, there's like Red Bull. And then to the left of that, there's like a Coca-Cola, right? But these are all stimulants, right? The caffeine is also a stimulant. And uh, my whole life, I uh, lived thinking that I was extremely, extremely sensitive to caffeine. To the point that I would never have a coffee. And if I did ever have a Coca-Cola, it would have to be before noon, right? And um, the funny thing is that when I got my uh, genome sequenced and I saw the results for the CYP1A2 gene, I'm actually an ultra-rapid metabolizer. So that means my body, like, it, it has the proteins where it just like burns through caffeine and these stimulants like nothing, right? It just, just boom, 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 boom. So um, it's funny that it, in my head, I was living my whole life thinking, oh, I can't have coffee. But my, gen my genome said the exact opposite. Like, hey, if you are going to have coffee, you're just going to burn through it. Like it's going to like, you know, you're going to need more coffee to have the same effect as someone else. Um, so that's just like one example, right? As we're going to have our genomes on our phones, we're going to want to know more about our body. Like another example is 
Uh, there's like a gene, I think, for like long COVID. And if you fall into a certain category, um, you might want to know ahead of time, like, hey, you know, if I catch COVID, I'll get, you know, really, really severe or no, not long COVID, like severity for COVID. Um, and, and if you catch COVID, you might want to know like, hey, if I catch this, it's going to be like really, really bad for me. And, and what determines that is, as Aldo mentioned, your genetics. Everyone has, um, you know, different genetics, unless if you're a twin, right? Then, then, then things get a little bit interesting there. Um, but you're going to want to know this stuff um, a, as we go forward. And I think what we're doing with Genomes Dow is allowing you to have self-custody of your genome. If you want to monetize it, you have that option and you are getting paid, right? It's not the executives at 23andMe, right? At 23andMe, who do they answer to? They answer to shareholders. Who does Genomes DAO answer to? We answer to the DAO, right? And who owns the DAO? Hopefully the members of the community. Um, so that's kind of how we've structured it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> No, that's wonderful. And thank you for the real-world examples, because I think that that certainly helps to make um, this topic a little bit more accessible. Let's talk about the future of Genomes DAO. Like, where where is Genomes DAO now, I guess, in its, in its plan, in its roadmap? And what can we expect of it into the future? Um, are there any other possible integrations into the Web3 ecosystem um, you know, that are, that are being explored today? Yeah, there are loads of things uh, ongoing. So first of all, we, we're, we're doing a weekly DAO meeting, uh, you know, to, to update all, all DAO holders of everything that is happening because we really would like to stay close to them and um, want to make sure that everyone has their say. So our first um, uh, step um, has already taken place. And I think this is also when, you know, when we started talking. So so I think, well, before I talk about that, let me first talk about kind of what we did because we, we spent actually a good, uh, the best part of three years only working on a tech stack, right? We were, um, we uh, were, uh, are proud that one of our very early stage investors is Consensus. And so we were part of their uh, Tachyon cohorts. So that's kind of their um, early stage startup uh, investor uh, mechanism, uh, and we were we worked closely with the consensus team to develop uh, our technology, um, and 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 also we were proud to partner with uh, the the giant uh, hardware company, uh, uh, micro devices company AMD, um, who, whose AMD SEV ES technology we use for building the vaults. So. Three years was basically spent on building this tech stack because we really wanted to be sure that, you know, if, we, if we're going to take on this big direct-to-consumer genetic companies, then we need to be sure that we have a technology that works and scales and kind of all of the above. Um, then, uh, so we only did our first steps to the outside world late 2020. And what we, what we did in the, in the very first instance is we did a campaign on Indiegogo. Uh, which is a kind of an early stage um, uh, sales platform whereby you could say, hey, I have a great idea for a product. I'm launching it, but you can buy it off me now, accepting that you will you will receive it, you know, not as kind of with a co normal commercial platform, you will receive it in, in a few months, but you'll get it at a deeply discounted price and you support us by doing that. And the reason why we did that is we just wanted to see what the market had to say 
towards you know directly to con- to, to consumers and we're happy to say that we were sold out in uh, in an hour or so kind of of people who wanted to get into this um and uh, already during our consensus time we were talking about uh, introducing a token and um we 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 always had that on our agenda but we did not want that to go at the expense of kind of the rest of the technology um so in 2021 we focused on developing the token which is the gene as our utility token and the gnome uh, as our uh, governance token and intern can talk a little bit more about that but uh i think uh uh end of november we're proud to say that we 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 opened with a token sale on sushi.com um through which we 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 managed to sell our gene you know the the, the first batch of our genes uh, at a value of uh around 424 eth uh giving us kind of also a, a good kickstart to grow to further grow our operations so that, you know and and, and getting people in the DAO. Now, many people who've bought Gene are staking their Gene, getting known for it, so becoming part of the DAO, you know, really uh, uh, joining us on the governance side of the of the DAO uh, with us, and we're, we're talking a lot to them. So that's, that's where we are today. What we want to now do further, and we're already going to do something in mid-January, is to make sure that we can, we can grow our uh, infrastructure by getting more uh, genomes vaulted. And the way we wanted to do it, hopefully very befitting the, 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 the thinking of the, the Web 3.0 world, is an NFT project. Um, and I'm going to let Inter talk a little bit about that uh, uh, NFT project because you were very proud and, and also very excited about that. Yeah. Um, so I guess one thing I'll, I'll, I'll just really quickly go back to. So yeah, we have uh, two tokens from our uh, MISO sale. Um, the first one is the gene token, right? So that's like the native utility token of the platform. So, um, th- think of this like ETH to Ethereum. If you want to buy, you know, an NFT, you have, you have to convert your hundred dollars into ETH. And then that ETH you can use to buy like an NFT. And then the similar thing, like if you, you know, if you're on a flight from like US to Japan and then you get off the flight, you want to buy a soda. You have to con- and you go and try to buy soda. They'll say no. You have to convert your dollars to yen because that's the native currency of the ecosystem. So the same thing applies here. The native currency of the genomes DAO ecosystem. If pharma or you want to query your own vault, it is that gene token. So um, like like you know, if pharma says, oh, we're going to give you fifty, you know, fifty dollars to query this part of your genome, they convert that into gene. So you get fifty dollars worth of gene. And then um, that also relates to the DeFi aspect of things, where we have our GNOME governance token. Um, and the governance token, as with most governance token, um, that gives you like the voting power, the ability to write proposals. And it also, um, for in this kind of um, infrastructure, this brokering platform of genomic data, you own a share of that platform with the governance token. And the way you get that is if you stake that gene um to to earn right um so that's kind of like the DeFi aspect of things and then the the um gene token has like a one billion dollar there no there's one billion gene tokens and um it has a deflationary aspect to it um so after like every kit we sell we'll burn a certain amount of gene and this would incentivize pharma researchers wanting to buy in early before you know it it, um, increases in value so they get more queries more bang for their buck 
um, if they get in early versus later. Um, and then the GNOME token, which is the governance token, has a, a $10 million fixed cap. Um, so, so that's kind of the tokenomics aspect of things. Um, and then for our NFT sale, um, as I mentioned before, it's going to be 10,000 um, PFPs. There's going to be a different, um, different traits on some of them. So some of them will have maybe like a gold tier. Um, some of them will have different tiers. And then, um, for some of them, you'll get, you know, a, a gene and gnome airdrop. Um, but all, all, all kits, um, you know, all, all the NFTs, they're redeemable for like a real world good, which is, which is this whole genome sequencing kit. Right. And, um, the, the reason why we picked like 10,000 is that, well, well, it just so happens that a lot of uh, NFT projects, they're 10,000, but also for genomes now, what in our conversations with, um, you know, pharma companies and researchers, they've told us that at the 10,000 genome threshold, that's when genomes DAO data set looks really interesting to us. And that's when we'd want to potentially start querying, right? Um, yeah. So, um, that's, so it's kind of, uh, yeah. Um, and, and for the NFTs, right. We're not like, we're not like really making any money on the NFTs. We're basically just selling you like the, the kit and the vault. Um, but what brings the value to the DAO is getting those, uh, genomes and vaults, right? So the, the larger we can, uh, grow this data set of people who have self custody of their genomes. Um, the, the better it is for the DAO. And that's, that's kind of, um, how, how this thing scales and, and, um, you know, is capital efficient. Um, and, uh, I think one other thing you mentioned, um, was how, you know, how are you kind of incorporating with the Web3 community? So we are, um, a DAO right now, but we're also working with other DAOs, right? This cross DAO collaboration. So like what we're doing now with Bankless DAO to help us kind of get the word out about the project we work with creator DAO. Um, and then we're trying to work with some other, uh, DeFi DAOs, right. Or DeFi protocols. Right. Um, and, and one interesting thing we have in, in the pipeline is that, um, kind of combining, uh, like crypto DeFi genomics, um, to, to create kind of a UBI type system. Um, and we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later. Um, but when you're, when you're utilizing these money Legos, right. And you're utilizing kind of the products of different DAOs, you can create some extremely, um, novel, um, capital flows and capital systems that just would not be possible in like, you know, the, 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 the meat space world. Um, so we'll, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later, but that, that's one of the really exciting things I think we have planned. Great. Well, um, I would say as we're nearing the top of the hour here, um, is there anything we missed that you feel like we should talk about before we close out? I think, no. I mean, I, I, I always say, like, even if you, you know, if you, if you don't really get the idea or don't like the idea of Genomes DAO, I always want to tell people, like, be aware that your DNA and your, you know, your genomic sequence has value. So whatever you do, don't be too easy with waving your data. Just like you, Humpty, said in the beginning, like, you know, be conscious of your digital footprint. Also be conscious of, you know, your, your, where you leave your genomic data and what other people can do with your genomic data if you are not careful. 
and and that is that is always something that that I, I I would like you know people to understand that they're not so easy with going with direct to consumer genetic companies, and if they do that they take the time to read the fine print about you know what what the degree of control is and you know et cetera et cetera et cetera and then of course we hope that you like us and if you do then you can join our discord and you know join the conversation and and, and you know we 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 welcome you um you know every step of the way and are happy to answer any questions you you, you might have and 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 hope that that of course you will become a part of our dao and that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about GenomesDAO, go to genomes.io and on Twitter at GenomesDAO. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.